For those of you who have been watching Tokyo on Fire, you know that we talk a lot about Japanese politics, how laws are made, certain things that are going on now that have implications for the future. It's important to note that Japanese laws are created in the Diet. The Diet is a bicameral legislature. It consists of the upper house and the lower house. And laws that are made in the Diet, usually they are considered laws of the land until somebody decides that uh, those laws don't match with the constitution that was crafted more than 60 years ago. We've had an issue coming up just recently where that challenge has been made very explicit and the Supreme Court has ruled on the constitutionality of vote disparity among election districts. We're going to talk about that a little bit. I'd like to welcome Dr. Nancy Snow and Michael Chuchek. Michael, what do you think about this decision that came out just yesterday on the vote disparity? We should probably start, before going into what was the decision, about what disparity means in the Japanese context. In this case, what happens is, is that historically, people lived in the countryside. And in the 1950s and 1960s, there was a massive move from the countryside into the cities. However, the districts were not redrawn for a very, very long time. There was a major reform in 1993 when we went from the medium-sized districts to the single-member districts. But for the most part, the disparity of people being represented who don't live in the rural areas anymore means that rural politicians get elected with far fewer votes than it takes to be, uh, be elected in the urban areas. Mm -hmm. Now, the Supreme Court has repeatedly said to the legislature, you've got to fix this, you've got to fix this. And the legislature has been given guidelines. Now, the last time the Supreme Court gave guidelines, it says, at least don't make it two to one. In other words, disparity of a rural district, the worst rural district being half the size of the biggest urban district. At least make it less than that. And in 2012, they did do a very, very, very close and very, very careful redrawing of the map so that the smallest district and the biggest district, the difference between them was 1.994. Okay. Not 2.0, but, but close enough. But it was under the limit, and that supposedly worked. But in the, in the two years until that next election, people moved around, and we had disparity all over again, mm -hmm. so that there were districts that were over 2.0. And that's what the case was about. This is the third time that the Supreme Court has come down with a decision that's really rather odd. It says this election is in a state of unconstitutionality. Yeah, you would it, think they would only have two choices, right. constitutional or unconstitutional. Right. But they found a space between mm -hmm. where you, okay, what you've done is wrong, but we're not going to call it unconstitutional. We're going to say that it's in a state of unconstitutionality. Okay, is it fair for me to say that I'm not confused at that statement, but I am in a state of confusion? <laughs> Does that work? I mean, it's the same thing, isn't it? Except, of course, you get a lot of people saying, you're, 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 you're shirking your duty right. as the organ of government inside the, the Constitution, it states. Because this was a constitution written by the Americans, right. and we know that's the case, 
they made sure to put in an article that covered what in the U.S. Constitution had to be done in the case Marbury versus Madison in 1804, which established that the Supreme Court has the final say on what the Constitution is. Right. Americans, having that experience, put a con an article, Article 81 of the Constitution, in saying the Supreme Court gets to say what the Constitution is. Right. So why doesn't they declare these these unfair elections unconstitutional? Right. That's the argument. Yeah, it's it's quite a bit more convoluted than that. It's more complicated than that, I think. First of all, let's talk about voter disparity because that's really unclear. There are about 734 members of the parliament, the upper house and the lower house. The upper house is about 242 members. 200, not, it is 242 members. There, there are no absences. Okay. Now. It is exactly that, right? So there's no, there's no waffling there, right? And then we have the lower house, and both, uh, all three of these decisions have been on the elections of lower house members. In this case, but there have been, in the past, there have been uh, cases about the upper house as well, and the upper house is being, re the, the election mm -hmm. system is being reformed, and the election that we're having next year will be under a brand new system that penalizes some of the lesser prefectures, the ones with smaller populations, by combining them. But I would like to bring in Dr. Snow on this issue, that in that th the real issue here is, do, does it matter that electoral districts are fair? Oh, of course not, because then that would be democratic, yes, right? Yes, exactly. I, I mean, really, when I read about this this week, all I could think of was that there's a reason why they don't want to commit to declaring something unconstitutional. Right. And it has to do with politics. It has to do with influence. The LDP, from what I understand, maybe you all can correct me, is controlled a lot outside of the cities in terms they don't really want to change these district sizes too much because things have been going very well for the LDP for so long. So what is in the minds of these uh, Supreme Court justices that if they are the final arbiters, the law of the land, why aren't they declaring it unconstitutional? They just wiggled out. They, I think the whole process uh, takes away from their credibility. Right. How, you, you lose faith once again in the system. And this is why when I talk to people here, there's such a lack of engagement in politics because it all seems like it's over there and here are the people sitting here. And it doesn't and they matter. They kind of play their little game with their, with their stones and they kind of move things around, but mm -hmm. it's their game. It, we're not really involved in it or right. the people aren't involved in it. So why the lack of commitment of calling a spade a spade or calling unconstitutionality instead of saying it's in a state of, like mm -hmm. there's an ambience of yes. <laughs> unconstitutionality. I just wondered, and when I'm wondering, it's usually that I think it's protecting interests here is what it comes down to. Right. There's no doubt that that's the case. Now, they will argue a very fine legal point. Well, two of them, actually. The first is that the Constitution was written very fast by the Americans, over basically a week. That's right. And there are parts of it that contradict each other. One of them is Article 41, which it establishes that the diet is the highest organ of state power. Mm. There are people who argue, mostly diet members, that means that we and cannot be disenfranchised 
We call the shots. By the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. The second is a technical argument. Uh, and you, this, get, this gets people all riled up, saying that if we did declare it unconstitutional, then the legislature is invalid. But the legislature is the only, again, under the U.S. drafted constitution, the only body that is allowed to make electoral law. Right. So the only people who can fix it would be illegitimate. And well, they'd have to hold new elections. It, yes, well, but, exactly. there, but the, who right. would draw the new map is yeah. the question. Mm. And, and there are those who say that's, you know, it's not just politics. It's actually there are technical reasons. But let's be, but let's be real. There's also politics. And the, the Supreme Court here has always deferred to the legislature, mm -hmm. and the legislature has been controlled by the LDP. Right. See, again, I mean, it's just an interlocking part here. It's sort of the hand in the glove, and it fits very snugly, but what happens to the public trust and public interest? Exactly. You know, the Constitution guarantees equality under the law, and the complaint that the plaintiffs had in this issue was, one person doesn't equal one vote. You've got other people who are in the, um, in the rural districts. Their vote costs sometimes maybe twice as much as mine in the city does, and uh, therefore they carry more, more weight in, in the legislature. Can you all just address the farmers and the <laughs> inordinate amount of power they are as a lobby in a country that is not really that advanced in lobbying the diet? That's rather unusual, but the farmers outside of the cities are really controlling the stakes right. very much here. Well, it's not just the farmers. It's the fishermen's union. It's the okay. forestry um, union. It's, you know, a lot of those, uh, especially the, the, the traditional... Interest, the primary industries, yeah. Right. So they have more power than, say, a corporate type or a salary man or woman working in oh, the sure. major cities. Oh, sure, because this is a collective kind of system. And the more people you can cobble together to... Uh, to project a voice on any particular issue. So that's why unions are good. That's why industry associations are good. Uh, a certain person but, with, a, with a voice or a company, you, you don't have much of a chance. But in, the, in this case, the, the, it's, it's a catch-22 situation mm. that the persons who are elected by the farmers are the ones who are going to be asked to reform the system so that the farmers are disenfranchised. Right. No, yes. it's never going to happen. Right. Right. They're not going to change the map so that it takes away power from the primary industries and gives it to people working in secondary and tertiary and maybe post-tertiary in industries in the cities because that's not who the, the, those people are. That's mm -hmm. not who their voters are. Their voters are... The farmers. So it's mm -hmm. unlikely then you would have any kind of decentralization or allow, say, newcomers to come into agriculture. It's probably oh, that's going to happen for other reasons, okay. basically demographics. But, right. I mean, the, the the average age of a farmer is now sixty five. I know they are really getting up there in age. <laughs> I I couldn't believe how old some of these guys are, and that that would be quite labor intensive. I right. think what they're doing. They're not big agribusiness. No, no, there are like very few big. Ag I US. mean, up in Hokkaido, there are right. some some big agribusinesses in uh, the northern territories, um, up in, in Akita and Aomori, that sort of thing. But uh, but if you connect the dots, though, does that explain why uh, buying certain basic staple food items here is so expensive? Because mm -hmm. this comes up in terms of Japan's image 
and how affordable Japan is seen. Right. So I know TPP might impact that, but uh, is TPP then sort of a threat to the existing way of life for these farmers? I imagine it would be. They're not too crazy about it, are Absolutely. they? Because it's going to open it up. Well, the fact is that the age of the farmers is just continuing to increase, and the average age, I mean, it's not being supplemented by, by um, their children or by you know, let's get back to the nature uh, kind of movement like you, you saw in the United States in the 60s and 70s. Uh, so this, not this industry, this way of life is is slowly uh, dying out. So there has to be some other rejuvenation. Well, the thing is that the rejuvenation has to be reflected in the electoral map, is what the lawyers were fighting about. Mm-hmm. And they say, we have suffered inju- injury. They, of course, file and are from districts that are underrepresented under the current map. And, you know, this movement toward Tokyo has continued and, in fact, accelerated most recently so that there's this game that's going on. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you're right about the fact that whatever the technical details, it's a sham mm-hmm. and because there is no fundamental reform being done. It's just to get enough of the districts below 2.0 so that is to pass the next time it's brought up in the courts. Can we call it pachinko politics? 